Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. I hope you are having a phenomenal Friday morning. You know, we're going into the weekend, and actually we're going into Valentine week. And we're all at different stages in our relationships, and our marriages. Some people will be asking their spouses to marry them. Others will be celebrating those years together. You know, and it's it's just going to be a fun week for people. I don't know what my kids have got planned for my wife, but I know that every year they do something great, and it's always it always tickles me to see what they do. We are finishing up today Orange Woodward's book, Resolve: Thirteen Resolutions for Life. Next week, we will start Mark DeMoss's book, The Little Red Book of Wisdom. I also have to announce I have a brand new radio show that will launch next week over on the Home Business Radio Network. Uh, It will be, I don't know, probably tidbits from the Beachside CEO uh, will be what it it is, and we're excited about that. God has opened up some doors this year. Uh, But today, resolved to reverse the current decline and end my field of mastery. In other words, we've got to leave a legacy we got to change the way things are. I went into this quest myself a couple of years ago. I'm, I've coined it in, in my little niche of the direct selling world as authentic collaboration. I believe that we got to get rid of the agendas. we got to focus on what's good for our profession, our community, as we drive it home. That's why I've teamed up with guys like Orrin Woodward, Doug Fireball, Art Jonak, all these guys that we run with that are making a difference, the, the Darren Falters, the the Richard Brooks, the Steve Wallachs, the Garrett McGraths, we're, we're, we're teaming up and making things work. And some of you may say, well, that's all guys. Well, obviously I've teamed up with the, the Donna Valdezes and the Donna Johnsons and the, the Jackie uh, Almers because we want this to be a wholesome push forward. As we build something we can be proud of. But Orrin starts this off. He says, I know that a true legacy leaves the world a better place than I found it. See, for years I've had a my own saying that say heroes die, but legends live forever. See, when you think back, you, you realize that we don't know a lot of the heroes that in a moment's time in history made a change. It's not that they had bad attitudes or anything like that. It's just they went by the wayside. They didn't leave this world with their full potential lift. Legends fulfill something. And I think what they fulfill is that they leave notes that are passed on to the next generation. See, I think that is the key, is passing on. That's why when I got this book and I started reading through it, I've put so many marks and underlines and words in it because eventually one of my sons or daughters will pick up Orange Book before they pitch it in a in a in a to give away pile and they'll look through here and they may see something that catches their eye and they say, No, I'm gonna keep this one for a little bit longer. See, not all my books are that way, but some are. Orange starts this out talking about the decline of civilizations. Now this is interesting. He said, why do civilizations rise and decline and fall? Civilizations 
as diverse as the Sumerians, the Egyptians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, and the Chinese all declined, eventually falling under their own weight. He says, Arnold Toynbee, an English historian, wrote in the study of history that despite detecting uniform patterns of disintegration in each civilization, Toynbee insisted that leaders have a moral responsibility to end the cycle of decline. I thought that was that was very interesting as I pondered that at the beach this morning. See, at the end of the day, if John Maxwell's right and everything rises and falls on leadership, and leadership is nothing more than influence, then if the wrong people get into leadership, instead of trying to enter in influence others to make change, they will influence others for their own cause. It becomes an inward cycle. We, we see it in dictatorships, communism, stuff like that. So the interesting thing is, what can we do? How can we take and move this to a different level? Tommy's, Tomby's historical analysis focused upon the spiritual, economic, and political challenges within civilizations, believing that leadership, creative minorities, respond to the challenges in order to sustain a, a civilization's process. Now, here's where he's going with that. We've all heard of the 80-20 rule. In looking at leadership, usually it's 10% of a, of a civilization rises to the top as the leaders. The other 90% are, are more or less the takers. Now, I don't, I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory sense at all either. What I'm saying is that's just the way human beings are. We see it throughout the dawn of time. Lots of workers, few leaders. We see it in every breakdown into each sector, into each niche that there is, whether it's sports, whether it's science, whether it's, it's, it's religion. It doesn't matter what it is. That's the way it breaks out. But lately, at least in Western civilization, we've started to repeat history which is where Orrin is going with this. See, what we've started doing is saying, well, everybody should be equal. Now, we're not talking about people's rights. Everybody's equal when it comes to those rights. But we're talking about there should be no losers. Everybody should just be winners. If, if somebody has more, then they should give to others and make it even. And it, it really gets confusing because are we not taught to give to those that are hurting? The question is, do we have the government take or do we freely give, I think, is the kicker. But Oren came up with what he calls the five laws of decline. And I want to go into these real quick before I take and explain how we get to leave a legacy knowing what these five laws are. Number one was, was Sturgeon's Law. A law applies to nearly everything, but it's a meaning to leadership is that 10% of any typical group are leaders and 90% are followers. The goal is to mentor the 10% with the courage to run against the declining current, helping to turn around either the organization or their world. That's one of the things that we get to see during an election year. We see those that actually have an agenda to do something good for the country, and then we see those that just kind of have their agenda for themselves. 
And it, it happens on both sides of the aisle, so it, it, I'm not just pointing fingers at one or the other. It just happens that way. The second law is uh, Bastet's law, which he, uh, Frederick was a French eco, uh, economist that taught the fatal tendencies existing in a man's heart to satisfy his wants with the least possible effort. Okay, how many times do we see this? We see... People getting robbed. I, I just saw a little girl trying to be kidnapped in a Georgia grocery store. Basically, since men are naturally, women, humans, okay, are naturally inclined to avoid pain, a pain that labor causes, it follows that men would resort to plunder whenever plunder is easier than work. We've seen that throughout all history. Every organization must ensure that people carry their own weight not riding off the backs of others. We have to bust our butt. we got to have a scoreboard. we got to move forward if we're going to stop the decline. Now, number three, Grisham's Law. An English financer developed his law originally applied to the monetary policies. Here's what it is. Take out the gold and silver, add paper in as a, as a temporary currency, and all of a sudden you've got worthless paper. People will start blowing cash. People start focusing they don't they don't take care of that financial side of them because in our case we got plastic you don't feel the pain when plastic's coming out the fourth this is one i'm very familiar with my dad used to tell it to me all the time boy you keep doing that you're going to suffer the law of diminishing returns well i did in a couple of cases see if you keep doing the same thing over and over and more people keep doing it over and over and it's really what happens is you get mass production. When you get mass production, you get less quality. It's it's it's. Uh, I'll take something that's off the grid. When Lewis and Clark was trucking through the West, and they found the the uh, uh, Yellowstone National Park, and they saw the glacier, or not the glacier, but the geyser. It was great. It was cool. Very few people had ever seen that. Now millions and millions and millions of people have seen it. And and when you go over there it even kind of looks wore down a little bit cuz they haven't even, you know, they haven't put money into it. Nobody really cares anymore. See, it, it that's what happens. The mystique goes away, the 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 mass production goes away. How come do you think homemade furniture, handcrafted furniture is so expensive compared to something you buy at Walmart? Quality. And the fifth is the law of inertia. If everybody's going in the same direction, but that direction's all going to take them over a hill, well, I can tell you this, it's kind of hard to stop it. Just take a sheep. Sheep starts trucking over the hill. Here they go. Dump, dump, dump. One goes over, three goes over. Poor shepherd and the shepherd's dog's trying to stop them. Next thing you know, they're over the cliff because it's hard to stop. You've got these five laws. Think about those laws in your company or your law, those laws in your team, those laws in your relationships. How bad is it? Is everybody going the wrong direction? You're saying stop. But yet everybody's still going that direction. See, it doesn't matter if you know the other 12 resolutions. If you can't grasp this one, you've got to leave a legacy. And in order to leave a legacy, in order to master and change the decline in your niche, your team, your family, 
and you've got to say, I'm not going to take this anymore. We're going to make a change. Go grab the book, Leadership Challenge. We talk about this. It's it's called Going Against the Status Quo. Just because everybody says this is the way it's always been done doesn't mean you've got to do it that way. Great company that you can look at in that happens to be Vaisala Science, who said we're just not going to do it the old-fashioned way. They made some changes, and they're starting to make money. So let's look at it. What is a true legacy? Orn writes it this way. A person's true legacy, one that will stand the test of time, is living the 13 resolutions and sharing them with the next generation. See, the difference in my book, and this is where, it, I mean, it lines right up with what Orrin's saying, but this is the way I see it, the difference between a hero and a legend is that a legend leaves notes for the next generation. See, when you write it down, when you put your thoughts in it, when you, when you realize you're not an expert, there's always going to be somebody that's going to learn something more. That's going to take your idea, your philosophies to the next level. Then you start to become a legend. Now I'm not talking about a legend in your own mind. Lord knows I've been that. I'm talking about truly leaving something that people are going to carry on. Thomas Edison is a legend. And yet today we don't even use his light bulb. Matter of fact, I think the government just outlawed the last of his light bulbs. Now we use all these new funky things. Alexander Graham Bell is a legend. Daggone, we don't even use his phone anymore. We we now have this little thing that just we just beep. hello, is anybody there? It's in our pocket. Steve Jobs, a modern day legend. All in his own right. See, this is what we're talking about. And when you've got to ask yourself, are you going to leave a leadership legacy for somebody? I got this nugget Orrin put in here. He says, if a person has learned financial principles that have made a difference in his life, then he should document and share them with as many people as possible. Dave Ramsey is a living legend. He will leave things when he goes that will go way beyond him. Art Williams, a living legend. He's been out of his company for 20 years. They've taken it to great heights that he never dreamed of. Still touching millions of people. So you got to look at this kind of stuff. you got to weigh it out. I've never been a fan of Hillary Clinton. But in my book, she's a living legend. Because she did some things in, in public life that most women would not have been able to accomplish. In the midst of her husband screwing around, she kept her demeanor, kept her family together, continued to stay focused on where she was going to take her career, what she was going to do, and continued to push herself forward. See, it's not every day that, that we can do that. There, you, you, man, I, I tell you what, there's got to be a lot of pain in a situation like that. It's one thing when, you're, when your spouse is caught screwing around and, and you catch them. But when the world knows, 
and then your spouse tries to lie about it and then gets impeached? Living legend. Mother Teresa, a living legend. The stuff that she wrote down that carries on that people get to learn about. The reason I bring these up is because Orrin says there's three types of liberties, and these are the liberties that help us leave a legend. Number one, spiritual liberty, political liberty, economic liberty. Mother Teresa, definitely spiritual liberty. Amazing. She taught the story of Jesus Christ to, to the poorest people in the world. And some of them have risen up to become great legends in their own minds, or in their own rights, I should say. Didn't mean that derogatory. Political liberty. Hillary Clinton could have just said, enough, I'm done, I'm getting out of here, I don't need this crap, we're going to divorce this screwed up southern guy that's surely not a gentleman. I'm going to go do something else. But instead she stayed true to what her beliefs are in politics. She also, I believe, opened the door to women that will come after her that will one day possibly set in the same chair that her husband set in, but with a different agenda. Economic liberty. Steve Jobs. You know, Steve's company, it's interesting if you if you study and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna really go in on the Steve Jobs deal right now because this is a leadership show for business people. Steve started something with the with an idea. But along the way, he got ousted from his company, Apple. When he got ousted from Apple, he didn't quit. He didn't just stop. He went and started an animation company, turned the the world of of Hollywood upside down with it. The fun thing about this little story is that the offices, his new offices were right across the street from Apple and his, his office windows looked at it, and every day he said, someday I'll have my company back. Largest shareholder in the company, but yet he gets ousted as the CEO. The company goes into decline. One day the company calls Steve Jobs back and says, Steve, is there any way you could come back as the CEO? We are, we are on the verge of bankruptcy. Steve said, yeah. They said, what will we have to pay you, largest shareholder in our company? He said, a dollar a year. He said, actually, I want a dollar a year, and I want my I want my own jet. I want to be able to have a, a, a private jet that I can fly around on so that I can, I can continue to take care of business, and I can mentor, and we can brainstorm with all our people without interruption. And Steve Jobs went back in. And turn that company around. Steve Jobs, when he had his own personal health issues, was dying, needed a liver transplant, turned the reins over to a trusted colleague, went privately and got his surgery that he needed, came back and ran that company up until just a few few months, few weeks, before his, really his untimely death. Bringing in some of the smartest people that will carry on his legacy. Mark Hughes, a man that started Herbalife, did the same thing. He eventually brought people in to run the company who were smarter than he was. 
And when he met his untimely death, that company has flourished beyond where he was at. Art Williams is another one. Henry Ford, another one. Lee Iacocca is another one. See, the list goes on and on and on and on. Tim Napier over at Arbonne is another great female leader. It's leaving a legend where she goes. She's writing stuff down, passing it on. I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we want to be that way? Do we want to leave a legend, a legacy? Do we want something that people can pick up and read and look at and say, you know what, this was a great idea. I can do this better. I can take it further. I can take it more powerful. I can do things nobody ever dreamed of. It can happen. It can only happen if that's what you want. Maybe you're sitting on the phone, you're saying, but Troy, I... I'm a blue-collar worker, dude. All I, all I have is a family. Have you written down the history of your family for your for your sons and daughters? I mean, analyze this. I know that my great grandpa was a bare-knuckle fighter in the in the blacksmith circuit, kind of like that old, you know, every which way you can, every which way but loose or whatever it was called with Clint Eastwood back in the '80s. He was tough. I know about my uncle's history. He wrote it down. I know about my my dad's history. He's written some of it down. I know a boatload about my mama's history because she made two scrapbooks and gave them to my daughter. We got pictures and words. But what have you written down for your family so that they can carry on the legacy? What nuggets of wisdom are you going to leave your kids? Are you just... Stuck somewhere watching a freaking football game, not giving a rat's butt about anything but yourself. I've got journals that I've written down about business nuggets. I've got volumes I've written down about my kids' mother, my beautiful wife, my princess. Things I've learned along the way that I hope will help them in their relationships as they grow up. Every Bible I have, I've written stuff in the notes. Hey, son, or hey, daughter, this is what I got from this. I was thinking about you at this time. I'm the most screwed up person there probably is. I mean, it's not like I was born with some, you know, silver spoon in his mouth, went to an Ivy League school, you know, graduated with cum delay, whatever it is. I'm just an average, ordinary guy that said I can be somebody. We close out today. Orrin wrote something here I, I found very particular. He said, Edward Gibson, in his classic Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, defined five attributes that marked the Roman Empire at the time of its fall over 1,500 years ago. Number one, a mounting love of show and luxury. How many how many people do you know that's got to have that new car, got to have that new house, got to live in those... That new gated community, got to have that new pair of shoes. Number two, a widening gap between the very rich and the very poor. I don't know how wide it is, but how many times do we hear about it all the time? The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. How about this one? An obsession for sex. 
that sound like Western culture? Man, when I was growing up, the only the only way you could go out and get sex outside of your your, your spouse was to go to the seediest parts of town where you were afraid to leave your car anyway. And even then, most of them were in trailers, and you weren't sure if you were in there, if they were going to drive off in the thing, if there was a raid. And now I see signs in big cities that say, couples welcome. Number four, a freakishness in the arts masquerading as originality. Now you got some funky things in Rome. And the fourth one, an increased desire to live off the state. See, we need to look at history and realize where we've screwed up. We need to look at history and realize there were great leaders that came out of the Roman culture. Just like there's great leaders today. You're a great leader because you took the time to be on this call. You took the time to download the the archive off iTunes or somewhere else. Now it's time to take what we've learned in Orange Book and apply it to our lives. Get off your daggum butt. Stop griping and moaning about what everybody else is or isn't doing. Make your life suck. And go do something. One action today can change your life forever. But you've got to decide that it's what you want to do. Folks, thanks for hanging out with us. Be with us this afternoon on Aces Radio Live. Remember, next Monday, go pick this book up. It's it's the newly revised edition. Mark's assistant sent it over to me. I love it. He's uh, Art Williams' son-in-law, the founder of the DeMoss Group, the largest uh, public relations firm for the faith-based community. It's called The Little Red Book of Wisdom. We're going to be studying things like a matter of death and life, the amazing power of understatement, work less, think more, technology isn't everything, buy some stamps, honesty can be costly. Here's to not drinking at all, turtle on a fence post, you'll like that one. There are no degrees of an integrity, there are no degrees of integrity, that's a good one. Shut up and listen, and the wisest decision anyone can ever make. I'm looking forward to going through this book with you. I think you'll enjoy it. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here Monday morning with me on RealMentorsRadio.com. Bye now.